Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Today, we're speaking with Evan Messman. Let me tell you a little bit about Evan. He is a health, wellness, and mindset coach. He works with business owners and CEOs who thrive at taking care of everything, except, of course, themselves. So Evan developed the B3 way of coaching that works to optimize your thinking, your eating, and living one healthy choice at a time. Evan, thank you for setting time aside for this today. Well, I'm so grateful for you asking me to come on board. Thank you so much. Well, Evan, um, one of the things that uh, I'm really excited and, and looking forward to digging into is on the health side of things. So I, I, we want to get to that. But um, I, I, let's start like we do with most of these conversations. Just tell me about yourself as an entrepreneur. How did you come into becoming an entrepreneur? Did you always have that spirit or was there a transition for you? Well, uh, it's a great question. And um, just like everybody else, it's probably just a process. I started probably way back. I mean, I started many, many years ago, over 25 years ago. After I graduated college, I uh, was an entrepreneur then, not knowing it. But I was working probably three different jobs, trying to make ends meet. Then I finished my master's in clinical nutrition I'm like, what am I going to do now? I got a job in a hospital and across the street was a health club. But while I was going to school, because it's something that I love to do is exercise. And so why pay for it? I became a personal trainer. I was working probably more hours, 55 hours a week as an assistant manager in a health club, personal training. I'm going for my uh, to be registered as a dietitian, my internship, traveling back and forth. And I'm like, finally, things are changing 100 miles a day. OK, so yeah. um, traveling a lot. And then I go, I can't pay for a membership. I've been, you know, never had to really pay for a health club membership. So across the street, I go to the health club and the manager happens to be the one giving me the tour. And as he's taking me on the tour, we go up the stairs and I see this office that's filled with boxes. So I said to him, you know, I'm a nutritionist. You've got an office right here that's not gaining, it's not giving you any, you know, help here. No what return on I that investment, this, right? No, no ROI here. What if I take this space and I give every one of your clients or every one of your members a free nutrition consult? And that was the beginning of being an entrepreneur. It was a beautiful relationship I had with this manager. He really kind of, because I had no clue about business. You go to school for nutrition. You're not a business person. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. He coached me on marketing. Um, he got me interested in uh, Jay Levin, who did... Um, guerrilla marketing. And I, I'm still to this day, use those principles that I learned, but I spent that time as an entrepreneur. But the funny thing is, is that I launched into corporate America with a pivot, a pivot that was caused by the world trade center falling. It's because we were going public, a company that had recruited me was a startup while I was working successfully in private practice. I got recruited by a startup that was a wellness program, a wellness product delivered via the internet. And long story short, we went public on September 11, 2001, Canton Fitzgerald. And I had a pivot 
because as an entrepreneur, I was doing great, loving it. I would, I wanted to take my program as a nutritionist I, that I had developed myself to the masses. One on one was great, and I won on a little bit with like few. I was doing a few wellness programs at different places around the city, but the the real. I guess the the real appeal was when I worked for a company, I could impact thousands with a wellness program. Well, that didn't happen. So as an entrepreneur, I pivoted away from that. I literally put it asleep for 20 years. But during those 20 years, I learned what sales was all about, sales process, management, then went into leadership at big companies. Like I worked at Roche initially, then I went to a company that's been purchased by 3M. So big companies like these, and then another one, Convitec. Um, and amazing things that I learned along the way. But coming back to being an entrepreneur, 20 years after I left it, has been a real incredible opportunity. It's been, and, and COVID afforded me that opportunity. Okay. So the first corporate opportunity you had that fell through on September 11th, uh, was one thing, but then did you end up in corporate with these other yeah. companies? Is that what you're saying? Okay. I ended up, even though it wasn't, I was still, I would still say it was an entrepreneur because I was a founder of that company and I had 500,000 founder shares to work for a year as an entrepreneur, you take risks. So I took a risk and said, okay, they didn't have money. So I said, well, you know, I'll take founder shares, give me some shares, which I did, but 500,000 of zero is still zero. zero. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, you have to take risks. And I learned really how agile you need to be um, and yes. how building something from nothing, you know, you have to really learn how to be creative and how to turn that creativity into something concrete. And how I, I, I learned how to um, also spin my wheels. In the beginning, you spend a lot of time building things and you go back in hindsight and go, wow, if I had spent less time doing that, maybe I could have gotten to market faster, but it wasn't me that the, com the company failed because the CEO burned through $4.1 million, not, not because we didn't get the, the product finished. So it was, it was a fascinating experience. I love having that um, opportunity to learn, um, working with great consultants like Elon Musk's mom, I worked with May Musk and I worked with people like Tony Little who sold $2 billion at the time. He had sold $2 billion worth of product on the internet. So we had people and, and we had doctors and we had psychologists and 20 consultants that I was managing. So it was really an amazing um, opportunity to either fall flat on your face, which we didn't. I, I was able to build the assessment and the product. It was really um, something that when I look back now, 20 years later, prepared me for what I'm doing now. Okay. So in that space, right, where we're learning, you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, you're, you're taking action, though. Um, what Was there a sense of purpose or what was kind of your north guiding star that kind of kept you moving forward, even if you didn't know what direction forward was, if that makes sense? I think that the the true north for me was the fact that I was going to be able to impact all these companies by offering them a wellness solution for people way ahead of its time. When you think back 20 some years ago, it was 25 years ago, probably almost. Um, 
and and working with these incredible consultants and and other clinicians and other doctors and having a team that sitting and collaborating and learning how to write and how to develop evidence-based assessments and how to make it fun and entertaining and all those things it's it i it, part of it was you you don't know what you don't know but the other thing was is because you're working with such great people the synergy created i think an incredible product and and because i i valued it so much i took all that information and i saved as much of it as i could and i put it in the attic literally found it during covid cleaning out my attic and started looking at it and going why is it sitting in my attic? This is such valuable stuff. I decided to like, I, I didn't go back to doing what that was. I decided to say, well, what can I do? Not what I should do. I think okay. that's an important thing for entrepreneurs to realize is that, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a whale or it's um, a minnow. You eat uh, something one bite at a time. So I said, well, it's a heck of a lot easier to eat a minnow than a whale. So I started with, something small, something I was familiar with, which is I'm very, I've, I've been a, um, a student of nutrition, psychology, habits, um, behavioral psychology, um, cognitive restructuring. It's something I've always been fascinated with. So over the years, I've always been searching for trying to understand, well, what's the answer? You're going to school, getting a master's, you think, oh yeah, you know, you, you're going to learn everything. Well, I finished my master's program and felt like I had like this much information. Like you got to get out there and you got to learn by experiencing life. Working like in a hospital, I worked with critical care. I worked with chronic care. So I got to see, okay, what was happening in that population in the hospital? Realizing the limitations, um, realizing, you know, this is not the way to feed people when they have chronic diseases like diabetes or heart disease. Likewise, with critical care, I learned, oh, wow, what impact metabolism has on catabolism. And then working in wellness or working in fitness to see, well, it's not just enough to survive. What do you do to thrive? So I put all that together and I developed the program that is really based on the fact that you know we're organisms just like every other animal in this world. We don't have to be on diets. Is there any other organism on a diet? No. And I, it kind of boils down to one thing. It's habits. If we can create rituals and habits, everything else really falls into place. I mean, that's how our brains like to handle life in chunks. We can only handle a few chunks at a time, as you know. Right, right. Well, and, and that's one thing I wanted to come back to. I didn't want to overlook this importance of the whale versus the minnow and whether regardless of which one you're you're about to consume it's it's going to happen one bite at a time yeah. and so i think that's a really important point to 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 make out i know that myself especially when i i lacked clarity right i was still developing the clarity piece um wanting to do it all and trying to do it all and exhausting myself in the process and and in that exhaustion kind of maybe even losing sight of whatever clarity i had at that moment um, so I, I love this, this recommendation or the suggestion that we come back to, come back to where we are 
I, I have come to, to believe passionately that even if we want this whole whale, we want to consume this whole whale, um, all we can do is just start with wherever we're at. And we mm-hmm. take one bite and then we take another bite. And it's, again, those habits and that consistency of those behaviors that get us our results over time. Exactly. And the goal is to finish the whale, of course. It's, right, you know, food right? for a lifetime. But it's that having those big, hairy, audacious goals that are so important, having that vision. I think vision is an important, but I call that a part of uh, an attitude muscle, having this vision to be able to see things where you want to be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, and then to reverse engineer it and go, okay, if this is my, my vision, what are the, the, that's the result. This is the result that I want and make that result very, very specific. Use your smart, you know, smart goals. Um, but also I, I call them smarter, E-R, I add E-R to the end because they have to be enjoyable and they have to be rewarding so that they're connected to your why, yes. right? Because most yes. people will say, I, I set goals, but I'm not feeling fulfilled. Well, if you start connecting to your why first, I mean, that's important. Have the intention that it's connected to your why and then sit down and go, well, let's go now. Once we look at where you want to go, what, what's right in front of you? And sitting down and not just saying, well, what are the sub goals? What are the tasks? What are the subtasks? Right. But what's the action step you can take today? For instance, somebody wants to lose 10 pounds. You can't do that today. You just can't do it. So what are the behaviors? Because people miss, they misinterpret what a goal is. It's not a result. And a lot of times people will use that interchangeably. And um, when I was a dietitian, and working as a as a president of my dietetic association many years ago, I as a dietitian, we will show up and throw up because we are so overeducated. I had seven years of schooling. Okay. We just want to we want to give everybody everything, and that does not serve your client. It doesn't solve their problems by saying, "Hey, I know what your problem is. I know what your solution is." So part of what happened is. I brought a psychologist in for our group of dietitians on Long Island, and we went through um, what a sports psychologist would do with an athlete and figured out how to problem solve, figured out the therapeutic process of listening and really breaking it down into basic steps of even that we went, we spent a lot of time on nonverbal responses. And the whole purpose was so that our clients could be understood. That's one basic human need that a lot of dietitians, they just don't get that. Um, Or coaches, it's about truly understanding your client. And once you have that, then you can see if they're biting off more than they can chew. Because most people, even myself included, back all those years ago, was trying to do too much. And it wasn't until I sat down and I said, okay, I'm journaling. Here are my three action steps today that are going to get me three steps closer to where I want to be. And I'm going to do it with hundred percent integrity and hundred percent commitment. And then I looked at all the obstacles that might be in the way and said, what's, what do I need to get out of my way so that I can make these three things happen? Because that big hairy audacious goal is really important to me. And practicing that for the last 30 years has been, it's never easy. I will never say it's easy. But what happens, it, it, because it becomes a habit, it's reflexive almost. It's not, not necessarily, it's automatic. It's not reflexive. It's more automatic. 
And automatic is what we're looking for in habits. So part of this is how do you look at what habits you have that are self-defeating? That's, you know, it has to be an awareness. And then sit down and instead of beating yourself up, go, well, these habits were created for a reason, for self-preservation. It's just what works. It's like a recipe. If your Nana gave you a recipe for your, your favorite meal and she's like, it's a little of this, it's a little of that. Well, what, how much? I'm not sure. This is what I, this is how I make my recipe. And you do it and it doesn't taste anything like it. You throw it away. No, you sit down and go, okay. I, okay, I know it's supposed to taste like it's, uh, let's say it's chicken, right? I know it tastes okay. like chicken, but I've this, this, and this. Or you just, you figure out where the pieces are that you go back and you perfect it by progress. Right. And most people just throw the, they throw it away. They just give up. Right. And, and I think that also goes to, you know, what you're describing is you've had some clarity on what your goal is. And I want to come back to goals as the, the results. So we'll come back to that. But for now, you've got that clarity on what that is. You know what those three activities are that are going to move you closer to that. And, and then you give yourself both the permission and the direction that this is what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I imagine is at the end of those days, when you've done those three things, you have won the day because you did the three things. Now, you may not have the result that you want yet, right? This is a big whale. And and you may not be uh, far enough of consuming this whale that you're actually seeing the results you want, but you know that these are the steps that you have to take to get there. And you, so you got to have that goal, right? When I went to the gym, when I was a kid, I was heavy. My, my nickname was Heavy Heavy. And I was mortified to, to go to gym because it was the skins versus the shirts. You know, if I had sure. to take my shirt off, you know, I make a muscle, nothing happened. And that wasn't fun being around kids, but I was bullied and, you know, being called heavy, heavy. So the bullying is something that um, I didn't realize what it was until years later. Sure. But when I think back now, when I, back then, I never thought, oh, I'm one day closer to where I want to be. My mindset was completely wrong. It was like, I can't, I refuse to. Versus when I finally started working out in the gym and started seeing results, then it was that mindset of saying, wow, I'm one day closer to where I want to be. And I'd pick somebody in the club, in the health club and go, yes, that person, that's what I want to look like a year from now. And there were people that you looked at it when you talked to them and you said, well, what are your goals? What have been your struggles? They are so tough on themselves. You look at them, put them on a pedestal, and they're tearing themselves apart. So we're all in this together. It's the human condition that the negative or the fear factor is what we're hardwired for, because that's just the way the brain is designed to protect ourselves. Exactly. Right? So we have to, unfortunately, we have to spend more time being conscious of being kinder to ourselves, to having a little self empathy and and the yes. self-care that's why i think that self-care is so important today is so many people especially business owners and entrepreneurs they'll be working they get up early and they're at the computer by like seven o'clock in the morning if not earlier and they're working till one o'clock in the morning till they're you know lying with their head on the on the desk that is not sustainable 
when when is it ever sustainable? Why would they ever choose that? Because of that inner critic saying, you're not working hard enough. You're not doing enough. And it's because of that lack of clarity that you mentioned, that's wasting the time of doing more. It's not doing more. It's doing more better on less things. Exactly. Yeah. So, so come back to that idea about a goal. I think you defined it as the end result. Well, people use the word goal and results interchangeably when what I was taught by this psychologist all those years ago is that a goal is a goal. It's, it's something that's something you want to do, but think about a result first. And the result, let's say you want to lose 20 pounds. The goal is get you the result. So let's say I want to lose 20 pounds. So the goal is to have a healthier eating plan, right? But now if you want to make it a smarter goal, it's about ha- having a healthier eating plan that eat that gets me less calories than I burn at least five, six, let's say six out of seven days. Right. Or even more specific that I can have that calorie deficit of 500 calories a day or more so that I can achieve that result. Right. The result that you want when you figure out what the result is, then you can focus on, well, what are the goal? What does the goal need to be? But then there's the objectives, the tasks and the action steps. And I just I keep it simple by just saying, well, what is the behaviors that based on everything we talked about in our session today? What are three behaviors that you know you could do this week that you know you can do, not should do, but can do with 100% commitment and 100% integrity? It's a private victory for you, not for me, but for you. Don't do it for me. Exactly. And that is really when it, and I then I say, okay, let's make it smaller. Smaller, yeah, smaller. Make it so tiny that motivation never gets part of the equation because never becomes part of the equation because motivation is not dependable. Right. Which is, I mean, right. Think about Thanksgiving. Is anyone motivated to be on a diet in Thanksgiving? I mean, there are a few people that do great. Sure. Sure. But what about on new year's new year's day? There are a lot of people that are thinking about new year's resolutions. So I, I look at it from that perspective that the people who are most successful, motivation's an important component, but motivation is not what makes them successful. It's regardless of whether they're motivated or, or not. It's their commitment, the grit, the rigor, that persistence day in, day out, week in, week out. It's the habits that really break you. And it's, it's the ordinary simple things you do every day that leads to extraordinary results. I love this because again, I think that, you know, especially when we're unclear and I do want to come back to that in a minute here, but when we're unclear about what we're trying to create in this world, we're just looking to create something. And Mm -hmm. and then from that experience, is that what I wanted? No, maybe not. Right. And then we're on to the next thing, the next shiny object, right? Maybe this is going to be making me feel the way that I want to feel. Um, and I think that goes back to this goal. So as you're describing, the goal is not necessary. It is a result, but but it's not the goal. I think of Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, 
my my version of that message is that you know we have these goals and and um, mission maybe as a mission is a better word for a that vision. right that's bigger right. a vision right exactly that's bigger than we are mm-hmm. it's that whale it, it it should be so big that I can't possibly imagine what I'm going to have to do between here and there to get there and I think that um, what I've noticed is that when there, that's clarity on that vision on what that mission is. And again, we don't know how, we don't know the what's, we don't know the how's, but we do know the next step. We know, to, we know to call somebody and say, Hey, this is my mission. This, this is my vision. This is what I'm working on. Who do you know that might be able to help me move in this direction? I mean, that could be that small step. And so I want to also come back to this idea of the small step. And I want to applaud this um, because, again, even in my own experiences, uh, I've learned to lean into the phrase, anything worth doing well is worth doing poorly. So I used to be one of those like, well, I'm not going to do this if I can't. I'm not going to run a marathon unless I can just walk out today and run a marathon and and call it good. Right. (laughs) Um, and, And so for me, again, that was the big whale. How do I now take that big whale and, and break it down into small things that is, that I cannot possibly fail at? So when I started working out, um, I, I have a, uh, I have psoriasis and the psoriasis gets into my joints and my muscles and, and movement is really stiff. And so I know that I need to move in order to keep things moving. And that's the last thing I want to do, right? It, it hurts to move. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so we, my husband got excited about the Peloton a few years ago and it's like, this is what we need to do. And, and I, I, I didn't say no, but I really wasn't also on board with this. But here it is. Here's this Peloton. I know I need to move. I, it hurts. And so I told myself all I had to do was sit on that bike. That's all I had to do the first week, just go and sit on the bike. And so I made it so easy. I could not possibly fail at going and sitting on the bike. And then, of course, what happens when I sit on the bike? Well, I'm not just going to sit here. I mean, at least pedal, right? And so then I start pedaling a little bit. Well, this isn't as hard as I thought. Well, you know, maybe there's something here that I can do, right? And so that is my example that I come back to of make it so small that you cannot possibly fail because that is going to lead you to the next step. It's that's I love the example. It's great. It's so true. I use the BJ Fogg method of um, behavior modification where you find an anchor behavior, you attach a new behavior to it. Because if you already have a behavior like uh, you're brushing your teeth is something that, you know, is usually non-negotiable for many people. There are some people I know that maybe not, but um doesn't matter whether they're on vacation or whether they're, you know, it's a weekend or a weekday, they're going to brush their teeth, regardless of what time of the day, when they wake up in the morning, that's an anchor behavior. That's the best way to create a new habit is to add it to an anchor behavior. And then you start with, like you just said, for somebody, let's say, wants to start running a marathon, you just put your running sneakers on. Yes. Yeah. 30 seconds, a commitment of 30 seconds. And what I end up doing with people is I say, can you give me a five-minute commitment when it comes to exercise with my clients? And I'm like, well, if you can't give me five minutes, I can't help you. Right. Just five minutes. That's all I need. Five minutes to get your sneakers on, right? I'm giving you five minutes. And, and, and you, however long it takes you to get your sneakers on and go to the mailbox and back. 
And they look at me like I'm crazy. But that five minutes becomes three miles to some people came 10 miles, but some people became marathon training. Um, and it's amazing what it can lead to because it's our emotional self just needs hope to know yes. that we're not stuck. I think that yes. it comes down to that. And what I love about BJ Fogg's method too, is that even when you do those small, tiny behaviors, you create a dopamine dose by remembering what it's like to get a dopamine dose. And that dopamine dose would be something like when your, your sports team wins, when you least expect it, or when you get that email, when you were going for that like job, that killer job that you really wanted and you get the email, congratulations, right? Although though you, everybody knows that like, I can get a dopamine dose on demand now because of that. And you say, well, that's kind of cheating. Well, no, what's happening is you're using a brain hack. You're creating a new neural pathway because dopamine allows you to create this new neural pathway for this new habit, but you have to practice it. And then what happens with that attention on an intention, like learning how to drive a car, eventually it becomes a habit. You don't even think about it. Automatic, right. It's amazing how the brain works this way. And that's the brain is designed that way. So why not work with the brain? rather than against it and not be on and off these diets, but to say, well, what, what can I do to make a habit last a lifetime? Right. One choice at a time. Exactly. So let's transition here. Tell me a little bit about your ideal client and what is the challenge or the problem that you help them solve? That's a great question. So I work with solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, business owners, C-suites, men and women who have probably the best way to describe it is, like I said, they, they're, um, they're doing really, really well, according to everybody else. They're hyper successful, but through their lens, they're not. So they're yeah. always hi- hyper achievers. It's like they can, a win only matters for a short period of time and they're on to the next thing. Right. But they can't look in the mirror. And they can't judge themselves. They could never look at themselves naked. They're like, oh my God, no. And they ignore a pound gain, two pounds, 10 pounds. And before you know it, they've gotten to this point where it's just now they're in complete denial, not knowing what to do. So they're overweight or they have a health issue or you know, they, they're de- avoiding going to the doctor mm-hmm. because they know the doctor's going to say, you need to go on medication or worse. Uh, I deal with... A lot of clients like that who have uncontrolled blood sugar or blood pressure out of control, um, weight is so heavy that they, there is no scale to weigh them, literally over 500 pounds. And you, you know, that's a whale, right. To, to, to say, I'm going to, it's not them. I'm saying this is a whale of a problem for them. So to me, I'm like, it's never, there's no problem to me that can't be solved one choice at a time. And sure enough, those people that were 500 and some pounds now weigh in the low 200s or 50, which is something they never thought was doable. And it's about me. And and my clients are the ones that see a wall. That wall is they're in denial or they're just, they're powerless. They feel 
powerless to change. They typically have no energy or they're lacking the energy they used to have. So they're not sleeping well. They're getting tired during the day, drinking lots of coffee or Red Bull. Um, they're stressed. I mean, just mentioned COVID. Now, thank goodness things are changing, but wow, the stress level has been through the roof. So there's a lot of anxiety. There could be some depression in there. Um, and lastly, it's a health issue. Okay. You know, they're, they've been avoiding or dealing with. Right. And so tell me then, I'm curious about this um, example that you're giving of the person who went from 500 and some pounds down to 200 and some pounds. What are they saying to you in terms of what does that mean to them to be able to make that kind of a change? Well, first, it's a transformation. That whole B3 way of coaching, it's first allowing them to be able to see themselves where they want to be. Okay. They don't have that, that skill set. I actually had a client now that I came back to it after 20 years, that came back to me after 20 some years of counseling him. And he had lost a 250 pounds, but he gained about 50 pounds back, but he wants to take it back down even more. And he called me and said, I'm ready to get started again. I'm like, great. But the thing that got him was he's had some health issues where he can't walk his dog, he can't play golf. And that was challenging for him. And think about the person who loved golf and this six foot three big guy who's got these little chihuahuas, miniature chihuahuas. Oh my God. He can't even walk that he's like, because of his issue. I said, just because somebody told you that you can't, does that mean you can't ever play golf? I said, I planted that seed in his mind and saying, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you're stuck. That's my, not you think you can't, you're right. I think if you think you can't, you're stuck. So just let's focus on the possibilities. Maybe you won't play golf the way you did before the injury. And you sure enough that that week, even though he didn't believe in it, he took out his golf club and he started to process it. He started to think about the possibilities. Like I tried to swing that golf club, but I knew that I would fall flat on my butt. If I I'm like, but you took it out. That's right. He started to think about it's a possibility. And that to me is the most satisfying, most gratifying thing that I can help people reach their dreams when they think that it's not doable. When somebody comes to me that is totally out of control with diabetes and they're really risking killing themselves. And right. now they're, you know, they, they had an A1C as a, a way of measuring blood sugar over a three-month period. And 14 is like four or five times what it should be. So instead okay. of being at 100 to 110, theirs was in the 400s, their blood sugar, which is dangerous okay. to buy. Yeah. And she didn't tell me this when we first started. She, she finally confided with me like the second week. Oh, by the way, I happen to have, you know, diabetes. I said, that's important to know. Um, but now her A1Cs are below six, which means her blood sugars are very close to normal. Okay. But now we created a new reality for us. It's okay. You, yes. you lost 44 pounds. You got to wear that dress, that, that dream dress for your daughter's wedding, which was, it's good to have a goal like that. But that amazing that she was able to do that. And getting all that accolades from everybody, but she's now getting her blood sugar. She thinks the new normal 
okay, I can get 130, 140. I said, no, now we're going to shoot for new, more audacious goals, right? Yes. And get yes. to the next, because her next daughter just said she's getting married. I said, so now we've got a new dress to shoot for, a new weight loss. And it's amazing when you give people permission to dream, amazing things happen. That's really, I guess, part of what I love most about what I do. I, my superpower, I like to say, is I see all the possibilities when people don't. And then giving them that permission to see that and, and reach for those dreams, is, it's amazing. It, it is amazing. And, and to have someone like you walking beside them, right, as that guide. Um, because I, I, I believe that these kinds of changes probably won't happen if we just leave ourselves to our own devices. I'm an example of it. Yeah. I mean, I needed, I needed help when I was younger. Now I happened to find it wasn't a coach, but it was somebody who was a cousin who coached me. Okay. Just by giving me like the next time I see you, I want you as thin as a rail and as hard as a rock, you punch me in the belly. And I'm like, but that's that, th that he could say that he could see that I could do it yes. was what I needed. That was the first thing. And then I ended up getting a booklet that was written by the American Heart Association, probably by a dietitian, and it was 50 ways to leave your blubber. <laughs> okay. which I, I, I just happen to remember. And I, it was my Bible. I read through it and it was all on behavior changes. And I took behavior changes, you know, instead of sitting down and eating a whole pint of ice cream, I knew that the most important spoon was the first and the last. So I had one spoonful, enjoyed it, really enjoyed it being present. My, I didn't know what that was back then, mindful. And the last, so I had two, and I, but I made it because think about it. When you get a bowl of ice cream, do you really, if you measured your pleasure principle, how pleasurable each spoonful was, that first one is really high up and research supports this now. But back then we didn't have the research 30 years right, ago, right. 40 years ago. Um, now the research is there, but think about all those spoonfuls in between don't mean anything. So why, why would you wait? I always used to, my mother used to say this as I was losing my weight. She's like, she would listen to me and she ended up losing like 15 pounds while I lost 50. And she's like, nothing tastes as good as thin feels. And that was her mantra. And it was funny that you, if you change, you reframe it. You don't need to change your circumstances. You need to reframe it and look at the opportunity to say, well, I want a relationship with my ice cream. Right. I want to be able to have it, but I want to find out how to have a healthier relationship with it so that it doesn't hurt me. Um, the same thing with all the foods that I ate and learning how to have a healthier understanding of you know, what brings flavor to foods? Why is it that we think of, you know, steak and ice cream and desserts? Like those are like the things to aspire for. And our children, we tell our children when we're feeding them, you've got to finish what's on your plate if you want dessert. So that's like negative reinforcement. Why can't delicious foods be helpful? Right. And that's what I've aspired to. And that's why I do my recipes. And hopefully you got one of my recipes. I did. I did. Right? Yes that I find ways to make food taste incredible, but it's not that it's, you know, diet food. It's yeah. 
right? It's learning how to eat colorful foods. It's learning how to eat balanced and learning how there are basic principles, you know, learning how to eat more olive oil, have more olive oil, extra virgin olive oil, eat more colorful vegetables and be more plant-based in your diets. But it doesn't mean you can't eat the foods you love. Yeah. Well, again, I'm going to go back to one of the things that, that you started here talking about is that you, your cousin, I think you said, was the one who believed in you, believed that you could be a, a thinner version, a thinner, stronger version of you. Mm-hmm. And honestly, just this morning, I was having a very similar conversation with someone and, and we were talking about leadership. And And I was telling the story that I was in the Naval Reserves coming out of high school. I was 17 years old. Um, and for some reason, somebody higher up than me decided that I was a good person to take charge of sick bay. I was a hospital corpsman. And that meant that I was in charge of people that were two, three, four ranks higher than I was because I was 18 years old at the time. But what came about, about that experience for me is someone else saw leadership qualities in me. And when I, I looked at that and said, why would anybody put me in charge of this? Well, they must see something in me that I don't see yet in myself. And that for me was kind of like that catalyst that said, I am a leader. I didn't know what that meant at the time, right? I'm, I'm 18 years old. I don't know. But it was uh, so that the importance of having somebody who can believe and see in us those things that we can't believe in or see in ourselves, I, I think is one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's what do they say? It's not being in charge of people. It's. Um, it's taking care of those people in your charge. It is leadership is not something that is a station. It's, it's a calling. It's a, you're, you know, you're not, it's not like the CEO. I mean, it'd be nice if they hired CEOs, how many CEOs I've had that did not express um, principled leadership. Uh, But I've met many people who were like uh, executive secretaries in the hospital making very little money who took on incredible leadership roles and responsibility because it was the right thing to do and i'll never forget that in corporate america working that way that you know it's important to understand that it's a skill and it's a calling like and that's why i my part of my program isn't just become which is that transformation it's the be strong which is the growth mindset and probably the most important component is the gratitude to be grateful because what is gratitude but it's love expressed as a verb and the love is the highest expression so and it gets you living in the now and the precious present. And so many people are either fearful of the future or regretful of the past. And when I get them focused on gratitude, I, I call it the gratitude muscle. There's lots of things that you can do beside the attitude muscle. There's a gratitude muscle. It needs to be exercised. It changes perspective and it's amazing what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this B3. I'm not familiar with this. Is this a, your unique strategy or yes? Mm-hmm. So just I actually, that for me. I was um, listening to a song when I first came back to this, I was building my program and I was listening to this beautiful song and I heard these lyrics and I went, Oh my gosh, that's my program. But I heard the lyrics wrong. So I said, well, that's even better. Like, you know, B3 
Become, be strong, be grateful. So the become, the caterpillar has to become a butterfly. How does the caterpillar become a butterfly? The butterfly tells the caterpillar, you have to want to fly so badly, you're willing to give up being a caterpillar. That's the whole idea of finding your why, that the pain of the same has to be greater than the pain of change. And if it isn't, why bother? Because you're just, you're you're going to be torturing yourself. And that means you're not really connected to your why. But once you've got that intention, that's not enough. So awareness is the first step. That awareness gets you to why, what what your pain is and why, why you do these things and what it is you want to be. And you work on that transformation. But then there's a very important component, which is you mentioned it. It's like you hurry up and fail or you hurry up and fall, but you have to get back up. It's that idea of anything worthwhile. If you have your why, it doesn't matter. You'll find the what and the how. That's the growth mindset. Yep. So right. that you don't need to be good at it. You need to practice, right? You need to practice it over and over again until you get either the gaps filled, the knowledge, which is what I'm for, what what do you need, what you need to do or how to do it, the skill. And then you need to practice. And that practice happens over a period of time till you get to master it. And that's what I call getting the getting ready zone to the making it happen zone. That that is my count, my uh, I guess you call it my coaching method. That B3 method is to become, be strong, be grateful along this therapeutic approach of awareness, intention, getting outside your comfort zone, learning, and then skills, skill development until you get to mastering. And that's all part of the B3 method. I love this. I appreciate you putting that together. It, it is all of the important elements, right? And to, to just to hear them put together in the way you lay it out, it just, what I'm hearing from you is, and I think maybe you even said this, your superpower is, is seeing in people what they can't see in themselves and giving them the pathway then to achieve that. So it's not just a, yeah, I believe you could. Good luck with that. It is, I know you can, and here's how you can do it. And I'm going to walk with you. And it's it's a matter that sometimes it's discovery. The thing that I've gotten feedback from my clients is I won't tell them what to do. I will let them discover it, but I focus on what they're doing well. I, every time we I coach somebody, I focus on VIPs. What are their victories for the week? I have one guy, no matter what, when I ask him, tell me about your victories, he always turns it into all the problems. Like, no, 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 we'll get to that. Tell me what the victories are. P is at the end, right? Now I need to know what your impending challenges are. What do you think is going to be a roadblock this week so we can take it from a wall, break it down into baby steps? And then tell me what you had a problem with this week. When you do that, people start to feel, I can, because they they don't even see the successes. Wow, really? Yeah, I did do that. You're right. And I think it, it gives people hope that, it's, it's about getting unstuck. I had a, there's this great story that I read about um, a father and a daughter, is dro- they're driving through a storm and the storm gets really, really intense. You know, one of those really nasty thunderstorms and you just can't see in front of you and she's just learning how to drive. And the father's like, no, just keep going. It's fine. And, and now it's getting even worse. And she sees 
cars and, and now even trucks are pulling over to the side. And he's like, you can go a little slower, but don't stop. Just keep going. It's okay. I'm watching. It's good. And she's just, you know, she's got white knuckles and oh yeah, God, she yeah. Does it. she's moving forward. She's moving forward. And, and it's just the lightning and the thunder. And finally it starts to give way and she gets out of the storm and she sees the sun and she looks to her father because it was so stressful. And she says, dad, can I pull over now? And he said, yes. And he got out of the car and they, she, and she got out and she's, what are you doing, dad? She says, he says, look over there. What do you say? I see a storm. Yeah. Who's in that storm right now? Those trucks, those cars, they're still there. You, you stuck with it. You did it no matter what. And now you're out the, uh, of the storm. And that's a, the most incredible ex explanation to me of what being strong means, because sometimes you need someone to hold your hand along the way, but you can't be told it's going to, you know, you, you have to experience it. And she right. did, and she learned from it. And I, people don't realize in life that these things happen all the time. And rather than give up, I mean, is failure an option? No, I mean, you get up for the eighth time, the 10th time, however many times it takes, and you learn from it. I mean, that's what growth mindset's all about. Exactly. Evan, I have enjoyed every bit of this conversation, learning more about your superpowers and how you help people. Where can people find you? That's a good question too. I don't know whether um, we can post it in the chat or where we're going to have this, but I have um, at B, it's called B3 Pro Attitudes, one word okay. for Instagram and the same handle for Facebook. I okay. also have living the three, the B3 way, living the B3 way is my Facebook group, which anyone okay. can join. It's, it's a private group. It asks to join. I'm on okay. LinkedIn at Evan Mestman. And uh, for everybody that's listening, I'm willing to offer what I call my jumpstart program, um, which I can offer the link for that. It is great a way to bypass motivation because remember motivation is fickle motivation is right. not dependable. So how right. can you make lasting changes for, for the rest of your lifetime? It's by doing the jumpstart program. It's getting you started. Love it. All right. So for the listener, all of these links will be in the description for our conversation today. So find them there check out his um, jumpstart program. Uh, if you have any questions about your own motivation, even if you think you are motivated, I'm guessing there's still plenty that you could learn from Evan's content here. And I have a website too, proattitudes.com. I forgot to mention the website, but that's fine. Thank you. All right. It was really right. a pleasure. I love talking to you. You're, you're such a pleasure. Thank you for what you do. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. 
Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.